Well, hello. Hello there. And it's hello. And, and to you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And welcome to another episode of Political Shadings. I am John Lawyer, your host. I am Andrew Goldberg, your co-host. And we are coming to you live from the Big Wig Media Studios in the beautiful Willard Office Complex, partnered with Evergreen Promotions uh, for our podcast marketing, and sponsored by Somfy North America. The newest member of our podcast team, Jackie Hankard, we'd like to toss it to her and so she can tell us what's going on at Somfy. Jackie, take it away. Thanks, John. Want to learn more about Somfy? Visit somfypro.com forward slash Zigbee to learn more about Somfy's newest ecosystem of smart home products. That's somfypro.com forward slash Z-I-G-B-E-E. Or you can visit us on Instagram at somfyus. Back to you, John. Thanks, Jackie. Always appreciated. And of course, we have to acknowledge the best part of the podcast, which is frankly not us. Uh, Joshua Espinoza, our fabulous studio and jazz musician who composed the music that everybody raves about, joshuaespinoza.com. Again, we can't thank you enough, Joshua, and we really appreciate your hard work. We should have him on this, I think. I think he just do all of it, just him. Like, we'll leave. He'll He'll just do the music for like an hour. That's right. Be like a tiny desk. Maybe it's us for a bit. Like, we'll do the opening part and then just him playing music. A a tiny podcast concert. Yes, I think that's a great idea that no one's ever thought of before. It's a new idea. (laughs) So, uh, after the highs of the, the holiday extravaganza. Yes. Yes, we came off of that. Came off of that. Crashed into January 1st. The reality of a new year. An yes. election year. An no election less. long year. Long, <laughs> exciting year. Yeah, get ready. Gird your loins. Buckle your seatbelts. Buckle your loins. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. buckle <laughs> loin your buckles. Loin your buckles. Yeah, uh, I, listeners, I, it's just going to be Andrew and I today because there's just so much to go over. We and, and trust me, next month we have a fabulous guest coming in. Uh, we actually three guests. They're going to be talking about sustainability efforts within uh, the automated building industry. Automated efforts. Uh, we're going to have a f- wonderful guest in March. Uh, the CEO of the National Association of Industrial Office Properties, our good friend Mark Salvatelli, is going to come in and talk to us about commercial real estate development and what's going on with that. And it's just going to be a whirlwind tour of fabulous guests, but not this month. No, it's going to be a whirlwind tour of us. Us. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, so let's, as always, get right into it. I, I Okay, so the big news, apparently, correct me if I'm wrong, is that we get another two months of the government not shutting down yet again still. Exactly, yes. For those of you who are rooting for a government shutdown... <laughs> The, and, the, and we know there are there some are people, people who do yeah, actually exactly. yeah uh, we're not going to have one for the time being at least until March so we came back in in uh, January yeah, uh, yeah. we were under this temporary stopgap short term patchwork call it what do you want spending <laughs> deal that keeps numbers what? in place keeps government uh, open and um, uh, the White House and uh, the House Republicans. Uh, had to negotiate a deal, and after lots of tough negotiating, they came up with a deal that was the same as what they had done before, which is basically keep government open at roughly the same levels until the beginning of March. So wait a minute. We just went through this. We went through this twice, actually. They got know. rid of a speaker over this. That is that is correct. This exact same scenario. Exact same scenario. Okay. So if you've, um, it's kind of like, a, what's that movie, uh, Groundhog Day? 
<laughs> one of my favorites. Yeah, a wonderful movie. Uh, yeah, it's sort of like waking up every morning and there's uh, Sonny and Cher on the here radio. And here we are. It's, it's again, yeah. So, so going into these negotiations the first week of the year, uh, Republicans in the House, especially the Freedom Caucus, the, 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 the more arch conservative members were saying, right. we're done with this. We've had enough. By the way, back in the fall, uh, Speaker Johnson had said, I'm done with these CRs. No more. We're going to no pass more. our full year funding bills. We're not going to do this. We're going to do term. it. We're going to do it. Absolutely. Come January. Did not do it. Clear, clear that they were not going to be able to do it. Um, and uh, But the, the Freedom Caucus said, we're tired of this. We want to see big budget cuts. We demand this. We are in charge. They didn't get those either. They're not in charge. They're not in charge. Well, they're not in charge because there is, of course, as you may know from your uh, AP civics class. Yes. Yes. The yes, Senate. There's a those. White House. Yeah, all stuff. Yeah. So after lots there's of... The Senate. There's a White House. Yes. After some negotiations, there were a couple of very minor cuts thrown in there. But they came to a deal, President Biden and Speaker Johnson, to basically extend current spending until early March, uh, and that, that passed through the Senate, passed the House. Uh, Republicans in the House voted pretty much 50-50 on it, so half Republicans voted against it, which is notable because typically you expect the majority party to support their what speaker. the speaker has. Right, but there's a lot of um, anger, and part of it was they knew Democrats would vote for it, so it was a free vote in a sense. Members could vote against it to go back to their constituents and say, I voted against this. Rubble, 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 rubble. Exactly, right. in those exact words. Yeah. Uh, but there is growing uh, anger, and, and you're starting to hear some of these, these Republican rabble-rousers uh, floating the idea, possibly, maybe at some point, of considering to, to get rid of Johnson. Again. Again. Well, we'll get rid of him the first time. I mean, he hasn't gotten, been gotten rid of yet, but yeah. But another Republican Another speaker. Republican speaker. And you may recall, as uh, back in uh, was October, we went through about 22 days or so. Yeah, that was uh, great. With no speaker, which was, which was so much fun. That was great. That's yeah. For those of you at home playing along, that signaled to congressional staff to do absolutely nothing. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, you know, you so can catch up on your YouTube watching fantasy football. It look, great, I mean, it was a, a quiet time of year. Right. Um, okay, so we're doing this again. Correct me if I'm wrong. We've agreed to a top-line number. Correct. So Speaker, Senate leadership, White House. Correct. Have all agreed this should be the level of funding. Right. There are approximately 14... Bills. It's 12, I think, now. 12. They, they, yeah. They yeah. passed a couple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, in that range. Yeah. So that need to be passed budget-wise right. in order to establish what is spending levels for each federal agency attached to those bills. Exactly. All right. And they're individually marked. Right. Each of those bills is, is separately taken up, debated, voted on. Right. Yeah. So if we've agreed to a top line number, mm -hmm. and apparently the White House uh, gave back some billions of dollars in cuts when they had already agreed to a, a level above that. Right. Well, what's the holdup? So that, that, so a part of it is time. It takes a long time to get these bills sure. through the Senate, especially, where sure. you have these sort of open but, debates. But, but it sounds like the Senate is, in this case, far ahead of the House. In terms Generally, of which is unusual. And typically, the House is. The problem is you have a number of Republicans who don't accept these numbers. They want much lower numbers. Well, too bad. You, you're a minority of a, a very tiny majority. Like, I, this is democracy. Sorry. Well, no, John. 
<laughs> this is what we want. Oh, sorry. And, well, in addition, it's that partially also what, what one thing you can do on appropriations bills is attach what are called riders, which basically are ways of blocking the administration from doing certain things they want to do. Well, so, so that's also holding things up because it's not just the numbers that are in the bills, but these, these riders, which there mean, is Give me an problem. example. Give me an example. Uh, so things like, well, I mean, one example, and this is a silly example, admittedly, but yeah. this example is the House uh, committee voted on these amendments that would basically cut the annual salary of certain cabinet officials to $1 a year. And why would we do that? Because... Got it. Any questions? No, the, it was it was so things like um, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, which they're also trying to impeach. By Has the way, a secretary, a cabinet secretary, ever individually been impeached? Well, John, in eighteen seventy three, I don't know. Yeah, so, right. I don't know. I, maybe at some it, point. It sounds they're, a little odd to me. So, but, well, uh, right, and and clearly it, what that's people. about is a difference on policy on the border, a big issue. Uh, right. It's not clear there's any evidence of some kind of high crimes, misdemeanors, wrongdoing. The, but, the, the policy on the border, which, by the way, the, the Senate is very near in agreement very on border close. security. Right. And the administration is saying, we want whatever you, whatever you can come up whatever with. Whatever the Senate can agree to, R's and D's, right. the White House, for the most part, has said, we'll say, let's do that. Fine. Right. right, because also it's not just the border. This is tied up to funding for Ukraine, which is a priority. Well, and Taiwan well, and, and Taiwan. Israel. And Israel, exactly. Uh, right now, Ukraine, which is fighting against Russia, is probably months, if not weeks, away from running out of ammunition. And so they desperately need more funding from the U.S. to keep fighting against the Russians. And so there's that issue. There is the border, which is, is a challenge. Sure. Everybody agrees. Uh, and so you have a group of senators who are negotiating uh, a deal on this. And they're, they're, as you said, they're very close to, to figuring that out. Right. The problem is, surprise, this may be a shock. Wait. It's, it's the House. Oh. Yeah. So the House, under Speaker Johnson, is demanding that the Senate pass and the president sign their border bill. It's called H.R. 2. You have three vote margins. Uh, it may even be two now because another member is That's resigning. Right. right. So you have a two-vote margin, and you are demanding, by the way, if two Republicans cross, that what this means, listeners, is two Republicans cross the aisle and vote with the Democrats, who, by the way, vote as a block. Yeah, they've been very united, uh, which is in, rare for Democrats. Let's correct. Let's be real Let's be, let's let's be, be serious. They vote as a block. Those two Republicans cross the aisle. The Republicans now essentially are a minority. Right. I mean, I mean so there's very little room for maneuver. And yet— they're yeah. demanding right. that their version of a border, a, a border bill, bill, immigration bill, right. pass. pass. And, and have the Senate, run by Democrats, and the president, a Democrat, accept them. And that's their condition for, for getting Ukraine aid. But here's the thing, John. Even, it's not even that so much. You've had a number of Republicans say recently that they don't want to see anything pass because if a border bill passes of any kind, it would accrue politically to the benefit of President Biden. So they're going to hurt the homeland security of the country. This is the party of law and order in right. order to politically hurt the incumbent president. Yeah. And let's be honest, this, there's always a little bit of this gamesmanship sure. in an election year. Sure. Happens but, somewhat. but do but they say a, the quiet part out loud? No. Well, that's the part that's interesting. So there's a congressman from, I think it's Texas, yep. Troy uh, Nels, who yep. is— on a couple occasions, basically, forgot to use his inner voice. 
Um, and it I said, do that a lot. Yeah, I'll we all do that, yeah. you know. Uh, and he said this, and of course, the, uh, the, the current frontrunner for the Republican nomination, uh, you may have heard of him, Donald Trump, has been also saying— Nope, never heard of him. No, never heard of him. Uh, saying, don't pass a bill. And in fact, you had a situation where uh, the speaker said, in a, in a private meeting, but it was, it was leaked or, or whatever— Right. That he'd rather have the election, have Trump win, and then they pass a border bill. Uh, so, it, it, so there is certainly uh, a very fair charge to make that Republicans who have been saying for a very long time, this is a crisis, we have to deal with it, we have to deal with it, and now saying, eh, maybe we're not going to deal with it right now. Wait for the election. Uh, yeah. And this is what gives, uh, this is why John and I, John and I are both in our 50s. We look like we're 90. Let's yeah, face it. It's we, just, it's... Um, it's bad. Yeah, it um, is. So, and again, it's tied to things like the war in Ukraine. Right. The ongoing conflict in Israel in Gaza. Exactly. The Ta- protection of the sovereign country of Taiwan. Yes. As opposed to China taking right. it over as well as its chip making and economic capabilities. Well, right. Uh, I mean, these, these, and keep in mind, think for Ukraine, for example, the ammunition that we were going to provide to Ukraine, that's all manufactured in the United States. So you're talking jobs. Actual American Actual jobs. American jobs. So there's a lot in this package that could be very beneficial to not just our country, but to the world. But, and again, the Senate is coming close. It's hard negotiations, not there yet, but coming very right. close to getting something done. Well, this, switching gears a little, this doesn't seem to affect the economy at all. Yesterday, we had record highs in the Dow, in the, in the S&P 500, and in the NASDAQ. Yeah, I mean, it's... Looking at all of the economic indicators right now, things look pretty good. The Dow, we had, I think, 38,000 for the first time in yep. ever. Ever. Uh, right, right. Job Joblessness is, is low. Uh, interest rates are coming down slowly, not nearly as fast as anybody would like, and that's still right. causing a problem. Uh, but, yeah, things look good. Now, what's interesting is for the last year or so, people have been talking about what they've been calling a vibe session. Uh, which is basically uh, that if you look at the economic numbers, they look fairly strong, but the public, the consumer confidence has been really low. And they're saying people just feel the economy is not doing well, they're worried for the future. That's beginning to shift a bit. You're beginning to see higher numbers in consumer confidence. Yep. You're beginning to see a little more optimism. And we don't know how long that'll last. We well, don't know if it'll inflation go. in the U.S. and in the EU is down into the low three percentage. Yeah, I mean, we, we are, we're more or less uh, gotten over that hump. Not 100%, but we've gotten really far. Gas prices are, are generally down. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so, I mean, the Fed... You know, you know, the Fed back in 2022, 23 sure. said, OK, we have to deal with inflation. We're going to start raising interest rates. And they did. Uh, the goal was to get this kind of soft landing, so to speak, where you raise interest rates to slow the economy, but not so much to cause a recession. It seems like whatever they did, it seems to have worked because inflation rates, inflation is coming down. The economy is has not hit recession. Correct. A year ago, uh, economists were saying there was about 100 percent chance Air of on recession fire. Right. Uh, in 2023. Didn't happen. Uh, so, so you really right now one of the big questions is will the Fed continue or even accelerate the interest rate cuts because those are still causing some some challenges. You're seeing that in the construction Absolutely. area, uh, home building things like that. Mortgages have come down a little bit the past month or so, but still way way higher than what they were say five years ago. 
Yeah, I mean, we we track uh, pretty carefully things like the Builder Confidence Index, as, yeah. as published by the National Association of Home Builders. Rob Dietz is their chief economist and a, and a good friend of ours. Uh, Jim Tobin's their CEO, also a good friend of ours. I guess at the end of the day, Builder Confidence is up. Home sales uh, are down, but home prices are up. Right. Right? So that's probably an interest rate fluctuation yeah. issue. You've got... Inflation coming down in a lot of sectors, but it's also highly influenced by essentially greedflation, which is companies inflating their prices somewhat artificially to yeah. improve their profit margins, which is another reason why the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P 500 are booming. Or skyrocketing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So it is it is a, a literal snake you know, biting its own tail, but all signs point to, correct me if I'm wrong, the economy is in pretty good shape. I mean, all things considered, considering where we were, say, three years ago, two years ago, with inflation, global supply chain issues. Right. Yeah, things are good. And, and yeah, there are always going to be challenges. I mean, right now, a big challenge is in the Red Sea, of all places, where you have the Houthi. The Houthi conflict. Uh, from Yemen, who are shooting at and trying to attack U.S. and other commercial well, ships. And it prevents shipping coming right. through the cutoff Which to is go around all yeah. of Africa. Right. To get, to get shipping across the Middle East and into, essentially, the West. Right. And and, and, and the other way around, and vice versa. Right. right. So that, that's causing some issues. There are challenges there. Uh, but, yeah, by and large, the economy is in very strong position right now. Well, at least that's good news. That's good news. All right. Um, so, all right, we've... We, we talked a little bit about an effort in the House to impeach the sitting Secretary of Homeland Security, Secretary Mayorkas. Yes. For reasons? Uh, their argument is uh, that he has not enforced laws related to migration and the border. That they won't pass because right. they don't want to give President Biden a bump in his approval rating. Uh, are, are, are you suggesting here on the air? Wait. Wait, that there might be some. <laughs> part, yeah, anyway, anyway, right. yeah, but our, there, but there are other. We're going to impeach Hunter Biden, who's not even a politician. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to impeach President Biden. Well, President Biden. But we can't find a reason why. Well, because we're going to. Everybody else, we're going to impeach. Yeah, I mean, there's talk uh, last week about impeaching uh, Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense. He had that issue because he had colon cancer. Yeah, cancer. He didn't alert the White House, which. To be fair, yes, they probably should have told the White House. Yeah. They should have. Not an impeachable offense. And in fact, that one, it sounds like there's, they said, okay, this might be too far. Well, he went in He went in for surgery. The surgery went okay, but there was a complication, complication after the yeah. fact. So he, he would have been back home and working. Right. He had to go back in because he, there was an issue with the surgery. He got it fixed. He just didn't tell anybody. Well, it turns out, I guess, his chief of staff also was sick. And so so one thing that's happened is the White House has said, okay, we got to figure out— There has to be some sort of policy. Policy about this. So, again, this is what happens usually. No drama. There's a problem. Something happens. You We're going to fix it, it. You move on. Yeah. Uh, except except uh, there are some Republicans who want to use this as an opportunity to, to impeach uh, Lloyd Austin. So basically this is just shots at the incumbent administration. Yeah. And look, every every time that you have a... a Whether you're a Democrat or... Yeah, a president of their party, you're going to have investigations and hearings and all that kind of stuff like that. But it's... In the real world, we call that nonsense, listeners. Right. I mean, there is a role of oversight by... The Congress. Congress is supposed to be. However, that's supposed to be productive, collaborative, and towards real issues. And so you look at things like— Or at like, the very least constructive. Right. And what's interesting is, you know, Republicans are, are 
really hopped up about Hunter Biden and and and, and his laptop, his laptop, and impeaching the president, and pictures of his you know what's hanging out there. Oh my god! Uh, and, and I think this really excites the base. This gets the base excited, <laughs> but it not the pictures. Well, maybe the pictures do. I don't know. I, maybe they do. Maybe they do. But the the, the investigation does. Uh, I'm not sure that this really resonates with the general public. Who are looking at, at this and saying Hunter Biden is my biggest of, problem right I now? I don't think outside of a, a thousand yard radius of where we're sitting, yeah. anyone cares at all about any of that. Well, here and Mar-a-Lago, I think that's the that's, oh, those two. Oh, the, sorry, the nodes, the pink yeah. house and the White House. Exactly. Uh, right. So, so and look, a part of the strategy, of course, is to to say, oh, look, Joe Biden and his family are as corrupt as Donald Trump, and you know, just bring everybody down to the same kind of level, so that it just muddies the water. Uh, the more that Donald Trump can can convince people that, well, every politician is crooked, every family is crooked. So he's a perfectly viable choice, 91 felonies. It, well, hey, that, that's clearly that is, uh, you know, partisan and uh, which. That, that's absolutely whatever. normal. Everybody gets charged right. with 91 felonies. Well, I have, haven't you? Not today. Well, tomorrow. We'll oh. see what happens. <laughs> the, the days are early. Right. We're sitting, uh, listeners, we're sitting within a couple blocks of the National Theater where Annie is currently touring. Uh, and apparently the sun will come out tomorrow is the... Are they saying that? Is that the that prediction? That's, that's what their prediction is. Interesting. 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 Yeah. Uh, so, okay. But, but the question, Jack, how much would you bet <laughs> that's going to happen? It depends. It depends on who I'm talking to, to be See, honest. I'd bet my bottom dollar. <laughs> wow. Look at you. Tomorrow the sun will, will shine. Wow. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, Good night, Andrew. everybody. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Goldberg as Annie. Yeah. You don't want that. No. Uh, we don't, but we've been talking a lot about the politics related to the election today in New Hampshire, the New Hampshire primary, all actually no electoral votes are up for grabs. It's, it's literally a popular vote. In well, 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 I mean, in, in the Democratic side, yeah, that's not even, I mean, that's right. Not, it's, nonsense. it's a non-starter. Yeah. The Republican side, there's a little bit at stake, but there's just two candidates left already. Right. Uh, there is a third. There's some kind of fringe candidate. I actually don't know his name. He's still on the ballot, but I don't think that's really an issue. But uh, yeah, <laughs> good for him. Yes, uh, you know, DeSantis out, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy out, out. Christie out, all of them. Tim Scott endorsed. Uh, Donald Asa Trump. Hutchins gone. Tim Scott, you, me, Scott Bayo, whoever is right. right. I don't whoever know. Nugent, yeah, right. Well, well, the big news is, and again, I guess this will we'll, we'll know the results when this comes out, so we can't really predict the future. But I will say that in Dixville Notch. Ooh. The town, which always opens up their polls. Population at 12, of? Seven, six, seven. Wow. At least voters. Um, they open their polls up at 12.01 a.m. They're the okay. first vote. <clears throat> there are six votes. Six. Cast. Nikki Haley won 100% of the vote. Look at her. She won. She swept Dixville Notch. Demetra won six votes. She won six For votes. For those of you at home, that's actually her real name. It's not Nikki. Um. Okay. Uh, Does that mean New Hampshire's done? No, it, it doesn't. Hang there's the no banner. correlation. Mission accomplished. There, there's no correlation. None whatsoever. Who cares who about cares what? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. So fantastic. We'll, we'll find out. You know, by the time this is on, by the time you listen to this, are millions and millions of viewers. They'll know the results. But it looks pretty clear. Well, I, we have good news, listeners. We went from tens and tens of listeners to hundreds and hundreds. And as of last week, we are in the thousands. You're in the thousands. This we, is growing like a like a like a like Jason Kelsey's stomach, like a rubber fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, correct me if I'm wrong again, 
But New Hampshire has chosen or predicted the last three Republican nominees for president. The winner it's, it's, of the, it's a better yardstick than say Iowa has been. That's not saying thing, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, look, I mean, the reality is looking at polls. I suppose could be wrong, but looking across the country, beyond New Hampshire, even in South Carolina, Nikki Haley's home state, where pretty much every major Republican figure has endorsed Donald Trump. Uh, it, it, it looks like it's pretty much Despite over. the fact that she's a former governor and wildly popular. In she was a very popular governor. But the people, uh, <laughs> the Republican electorate wants Donald Trump. Okay, so can't we just skip ahead like TLDR? Uh, <laughs> <to> <laughs> fast forward. <laughs> fast forward yeah. to maybe September where, or even August yeah. where we've gone through all this We've the pain, the 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 rat, the gnashing of garments and the rending of teeth <laughs> is gone from our lives. Yeah. We don't spend the next year listening to this nonsense. And again, perhaps within a thousand yards of our voice, yeah. this matters. And perhaps outside of that circle, it does not. But it has. Does any? It it has to be wearing thin. Are any of you at home tired of this? Well, I'm tired of it. I do this for a living. Yeah, well, look, one, you have you have most almost certainly a rematch of the last election, the first time in a long time you've had a rematch between two candidates. Right. Um, look, neither candidate is overly popular. Donald Trump— Or young. Or young. Donald Trump obviously has a ton of baggage. You know, Joe Biden, his approval numbers are stuck in the low 40s at best for, 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 for a long time. Right. Uh, you know, there are concerns about— age uh, and, and all those sorts of cognition things. cognition um, just yesterday or maybe the day before uh, Donald Trump uh, seemed to confuse Nikki Haley with Nancy Pelosi I, I could I could see that yeah that makes sense sure um, yeah. right so, so I think there is a lot of weirdness and, and look I mean part of it is this we have elections and they are bitter and contested and crazy but typically what happens is the winner becomes president and presidents mm -hmm. the loser goes away and maybe a couple of years later, does a stint on SNL or writes a book or right. whatever. Right. Shows they're living the good life. Al Gore, yeah. Mitt Romney, right. et cetera. McCain, everybody, right. Donald Trump has never gone away. No. He has been a, a, a massive part of our lives. For, since, I mean, as uh. we talked about with JL uh, last, uh, Correct. last month, you know, that he, he, he is probably more in the, of the conversation, more dominates the discussion than even Joe Biden, who is president. And so it really feels like the 2020 election n never ended. It's still going on, and now we're in again. Going into we're in the, Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's bad. I, I okay. So that's going on. It's going to be a rematch. Let's face it. Right again. I would love to press the fast forward button. I'm sure some of you would as well. I'm reading a lot about current cases in front of the Supreme Court. There's one that confused me a little. Something called the Chevron defense or Chevron deference. It is. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So. This could impact the ability of the administration to do any rulemaking whatsoever, any executive orders. Why is this important? Right. So th this is a big deal. It's one of those things that I think most folks, again, outside of this 100-yard radius, never heard of the Chevron uh, deference. It sounds like a Robert Ludlum book. It really it? does. Yeah, I think Jason Bourne was in that one. <laughs> uh, so a, a, a little story. So going back to 1984, back when we were – Bright-haired, bushy-tailed lobbyists or yeah. whatever. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled in a case, Chevron versus the Natural Resources Defense Council. Basically, what they ruled is that in situations Chevron, where— Chevron, the oil energy company. Yeah, exactly. Chevron. Uh, what they ruled was that in situations where 
the federal government, the executive branch, puts out rulemakings on various issues. Um, if, there, if, if the law passed by Congress is somewhat vague or, or, or flexible, basically courts have to defer to the judgment of the agencies in terms of how they put that forward. So when Congress passes laws, they don't count for every little detail about every single issue, every eventuality. There's a lot of discretion left to federal agencies. If you think about things like the EPA, and they, they put out rulemakings involving regulating certain chemicals. You don't expect Congress to be on top of all of those right. details. They want to let the experts and agencies decide. What the Chevron ruling says is that in those situations where it's a bit unclear that the basically the tie goes to the agencies, that the, the courts have to defer to the expertise of the agencies and not second-guess them under certain situations. So now that was decided 40 years ago. It's been the standard. So now we come to a case, a couple of cases actually, before the court involving fishermen from uh, New England. Uh, and basically, <laughs> the. Uh, of course. Uh, because why not? Uh, there. And essentially, Congress said that, that the federal government, through the Nat National Marine Fisheries Service, right. a very well known agency. Incredibly large. And, yeah. yeah. Um, needs to inspect uh, the ships and what they catch to make sure they're following the rules and so on. Makes sense. Makes sense. The, 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 the agency. Uh, says part of their rules that they require fishing companies to pay to have inspectors on their ships. And so one of the plaintiffs in this case, it says it costs them $700 a day per boat to have these inspectors on there. Okay. Their argument is that, well, Congress never said, explicitly said. So what? You can it's pass it. It's, it's an executive order. It's rulemaking. Who well, cares? That, that, well, that's the, really the question. The question is, who decides? Just because the agency said, in our judgment, in order to make this work, we have to charge the fisheries, the, the fishermen, this fee. Is, is that does that mean then that that the courts cannot change this or or, or offer their own judgment? Let me hit the fast forward button again here, or at least attempt to. So let me guess then. <clears throat> A conservative majority on the Supreme Court is basically in danger of doing the largest judicial power grab since the 1800s, taking away the ability of federal agencies to do any rulemaking whatsoever? In a matter of speaking. Uh, <laughs> so, what's, so a couple of things that's interesting. So first of all, the Chevron deference, when it passed in 1884, what's interesting, it was sort of the other way around. The case was basically that uh, the environmental groups were saying that the Reagan administration had passed a rule in EPA that was very favorable to oil companies like Chevron. Sure. And so then the court said, well, no, the agency has the right to put out the rules they want. So they said, sorry, environmentalists, uh, you get to keep this. Interestingly enough, and I say interesting, I mean interesting to idiots like us. Right. The head of the EPA at the time was uh, one Anne Buford Gorsuch, mother of, of Neil, Neil Gorsuch, shortly on the Supreme Court. Ah. So now the argument, now I'll just give you the argument from the conservative side is that when you give this deference to agencies, First of all, one, the argument is, you know, it's unelected bureaucrats making decisions, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Two, it's that what happens then is every four years or every eight years when an administration turns over, you're going to have these rules be changed it's back and forth. It's going to whipsaw. It's a whipsaw back and forth, and it doesn't create any certainty. The courts, it's better to give the courts a little more authority, the ability to, to rule. And also there's a separation of powers argument that you're basically saying with this Chevron deference Courts have no say. If an agency says this is the way it should be, you're saying the courts shouldn't be able to, to change their to change that or to judge on that. That's kind of the argument. The issue is, in practicality, should the court rule, which they'll rule by June, 
and get rid of this this so-called Chevron deference, right? Almost every regulation that EPA comes out with on environment, HHS, on health, FDA, will then OSHA, have to be reviewed by the court. They won't have to be reviewed necessarily, but what happened is then people can come out and challenge those rules every time, every time, and without this deference, if they set a new standard, uh, then courts could could overturn willy nilly all these all these rules. So for those of you, again, playing along at home and have not had the extreme pain, I mean, pleasure of participating in the federal rulemaking process. It's fun. It is. It's not pleasant. It's, it's enjoyable. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. not. Yeah. It's awful. And it, it's a process by which an agency puts out notice that it's in the process of doing rulemaking and ex- is accepting comment or input from both the public, industry, Anybody. NGOs, etc. Right, right. Individuals, citizens, etc. So then we all run to the computer, gin up a letter, yeah. throw in our talking points, send it off to the federal agency and cross our fingers. Right. Then it goes into this sort of black hole and several months later, <laughs> kind of like when they select a pope, out comes, you know, out the, comes the white smoke. White smoke, the rule. The rule, which nine times out of ten is what the agency intended to do in the exactly. first place. Exactly. I mean, sometimes on the edges they may change something or fix something. Right. Uh, there's, and, and, and to be clear, there are already ways in which that can be undone if an agency does something that people don't like. Congress has the ability as a new law to pass a law to overturn it. Overturn it. They could pass laws to clarify. You can what the you can, can you can sue and in you, can, you can court. sue of course, which is what this kind of case gets to, which is what is the role of the courts? Are they able to to change or overrule the expertise of government uh, you know officials who have expertise. A lot of this comes down to this question about you know, are, they, are these government bureaucrats, are these unelected bureaucrats who are cut off from the world making crazy decisions, or are they expert, subject matter experts who are, as you said, hopefully taking comment from the public and, and have the ability to, to, to investigate and analyze a lot of data, information, and make the rules? Well, you and I just went through this with the Internal Revenue Service. We were essentially petitioning them to... Um, include in their guidance on, for instance, the solar energy tax credit, that certain energy properties like like solar-powered battery-operated motors uh, be included in the, the tax credit calculation. And the IRS, of course, did nothing to clarify that. Um, they kind of kicked the can down the road. They kicked the can and said, well, it's kind of up to the taxpayer and then we'll see, which is essentially a, a bit of a, pardon my French, an ass-backward process. You take a guess at what your tax deductions are and then hope that the IRS agrees with you or you go to jail. Like, it, it, to the American taxpayer, it is a completely upside-down process. I think here's what I owe. I think here's what I can deduct. You tell me. And they right. go, maybe. Right, maybe not. Well, it, it, it gets to a certain, uh, you know, a, a Point. So th- what my point is, is that this is the quality that can come from that guidance or rulemaking, right? Well, like, well it also shows the point. I mean, there's this idea, I think, out there, and you hear this from, certainly hear this from Donald Trump, you know, the deep state, that there are these unelected bureaucrats <laughs> there playing God. Just as ridiculous. Playing God, making these decisions. The reality is that most folks in most agencies are are pretty conservative in the sense of they're not going to rock the boat too much. Right. Plus, it's a, it's like turning a, a literal aircraft carrier. Uh, it's a very slong, low, slow, long, <laughs> what did I say, slong, low? Slong, low. It's long and low. That's right. Uh, laborious process to get the rules changed. And so 
the reality is that the process, which is very imperfect, um, it, but it's, it's, it's designed in many ways to prevent the federal government from doing something completely rash. Right. Which in some ways is good. You don't sure. necessarily want them going haywire and changing rules right and left. Uh, but it can be very frustrating also. But it, it's what's interesting about this is that you think about the big Supreme Court cases, the Dobbs decision uh, a couple of years ago on abortion. These are ones that people really think about and get angry, excited about. But it's one like this Chevron case that can probably have as big, if not a bigger, an impact on our lives, the quality of the environment, uh, access to medicines, uh, workplace safety rules, things like that, right. than a lot of these other cases. Oh, boy. So, and they decided this by June. Well, yeah, they heard arguments uh, last week uh, based upon the feedback from the court watchers in the room, the uh, the tea leaf readers, crystal right. ball, whatever's. <laughs> um, the tarot card said, you know, there seemed to be a appetite among the conservative justices. Some of them have already said they think the Chevron deference is, is bad and should be. Of course. Why, why would they feel otherwise? Yeah. So so it looks like it'll at, at most it'll be weakened and perhaps thrown out altogether. Some new standard, which... Who knows what it'll be? Right. Okay, so uh, it's a football playoff season. Yeah, that it is. And um, I know you're a Giants fan, so talk to me about that. Uh, well, the Giants had a gap year this year. They didn't. Oh, play. good. Yeah, they went off to uh, Spain, I think, to to study like a Euro rail pass. Yeah, yeah, to, to backpack through Europe. So they didn't really play. Nice. Yeah. Uh, this was not really the best. I think for if you're an NFC East aficionado, ah, which of course here yes. in DC everybody is with the Commanders. Are we? Well, not we, we, but uh, other some of us. Right. Are, you know, uh, it was not not the best season. Uh, but look, you know, just up the road, if you go up uh, 95, Ooh. or the BW Parkway to uh, M&T Bank <laughs> Stadium, there's a little little outfit there called the Ravens, formerly the Cleveland Browns, from the Cleveland Browns, uh, formerly home of the Baltimore Colts, Colts, ah. Indianapolis Colts. Right. Before that, they were the New York Islanders. I don't yeah, know, whatever. Exactly. Cleveland Browns. Uh, so yeah, we got, and, and so we got, you know, the AFC championship up the road. It was very exciting, but the most exciting part about this is, yes, I think there's a possibility Go on. that at, at MIT, oh my God, MIT Bank Stadium, hold on, this week, yes, you could have Whoa. the one, the only, the Grammy winning, oh, the, oh, the oh. Eras Tour winning, the, the Taylor's version, Taylor Swift in Baltimore. And we are so excited about that. Actually, I'm not really that excited. I don't. I'm more excited about Jason Kelsey being there, hoping he'll take his shirt off and just sort of run rampant through the... Which is what he did in Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but shout out to Cleveland Heights, Ohio. I, I guess so. Okay. And, and on the other side of the coin in the NFC? Well, I guess you have the top ranked, uh, top seeded uh, 49ers. Right. Led by Brock Purdy, who is, I think, 12 years old. I don't know. He's, he's young. A lot of check down passes. Go on. Exactly. Then you have right. against the Detroit Lions, yep. a, 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 a franchise that has such a legacy of success. <laughs> and um, look, but hey. You can't not root for those like street fighter football players, right? Yeah. Look, look, if there's any city that deserves a leg know, up, a leg up, a little the, bit of good it's news. It's the city of Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. And I tell you, they, they've excited, they brought people together. Jared Goff is now, you know, is probably more popular in Detroit than Henry Ford. I believe that is the the the, the slogan of the city of Cleveland. We're not Detroit. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. So then, you know, a couple of weeks later, we'll have a Super Bowl. All right. L X F V Q R P. All right. Prediction. Ooh. So for for the championship or for the Super Bowl? Both. Okay. Give me give me both championships and the Super. Okay. AFC. I think the Ravens. They're going to do it. Yep. Despite. 
the uh, team of destiny. Destiny. Lamar is is gonna out out outplay. Uh, uh, out outwit. Outlast. Out, outrun. Out whatever. Out out. Right. Um, NFC. Despite Taylor Swift. Despite Taylor Swift, there. Wow. I just think that's going to happen. I know it's a bold statement. That is a bold statement. But I think the, the, the Ravens, their defense is too good. All right. On the NFC side, my heart yeah. is with the Lions. Yeah, yeah. But Your I, head. My head. Oddly enough, it's supposed to be heart is in San Francisco. You that's left, right. And your head is in Detroit. That doesn't make sense. No. Detroit, so what are you saying? I, I don't know what I'm saying. I, I think I, 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 I suspect the 49ers will, will, will pull it out. I think they are. The better of the, the better two, teams. two teams. All right. So now you're talking 49ers. Ravens, yeah. Super Bowl, L L V V I I L Q. 58? 50. Sure. No, wait. It's in the 50s. Kind of like us. Yeah. All right. Also, my prediction for that is that Usher will close with, yeah, with Ludacris making a surprise cameo. That is my prediction. Halftime show. Boom. Right there. You heard it here first. Jeez. Yeah. No, I, I think I think the Ravens. I heard it here first, folks. Yeah. I think the Ravens. You know, if the Ravens win, this will mean, I believe it'll be the first time, actually I have no idea if this is true or not, first time that the NCAA champion team and the NFL champion team were coached by brothers. That, uh, as far as I know. Harbaz. Harbags. Um, I have no idea if that's true or not. I don't know that. I, I don't, no I don't know. I have no idea. I'm assuming it is. But I, sure. We're sure. going to say that it is. We can say that here. Prove us wrong, listeners. Yeah, exactly. We will take your call. At political shading dot right I, I, yeah I don't know well what do you think well okay well throw it back to you uh, I am hoping for a Baltimore Detroit Super Bowl um, I have I, I watched Hard Knocks last season with mm. the Detroit Lions yeah. and um, I think Dan Campbell was a great player and he's a great motivator of of y- young men. Um, and I'm fascinated by a team that goes from like 0 and 16 to 12 and four yeah. in two seasons. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I would hope that Detroit wins because again, Detroit needs whatever you want to give it. Right. But I have a feeling that watching the Ravens play that that's a, an unstoppable force there, and it is not against an immovable object. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would like. I'd love to see Lions, Ravens. Absolutely. Um, why and not? Then, and then why not? After that, you know, it's all gravy. And next year, the Giants will come back from tan, their rested from, from their gap year. The gap year, tan, rested, ready. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Euro Pass, Pass expired. They had to come back. Exactly right. They, they, their backpack tore a hole in it, and uh, and they're they're back here. They're home now in their parents' basement. Yeah, much like their quarterback. Well, I feel like with the you know you have the, the Cowboys who were you know America's team of destiny, and then. <laughs> got, Oh. Squashed. Um, I thought we settled this argument in the '70s when the Steelers just kept winning Super Bowls against the Cowboys. It, it never gets. It, it never. No, they're still America's team. It never apparently, gets old. It never gets old. Yeah, the, the, you know, the Eagles, who are you know, they started the season you know twelve and zero or whatever, and then, right, and then the, lost the next fell apart ten games. Yeah, the, the tush push apparently stopped uh, stopped working. I guess. Speaking of uh, you know Jason Kelsey. Yeah. Uh, He's pulling the plug on his career, apparently. Yeah. And you know what's great? I'll say this. I will say this. So he announced he's pulling the plug. Apparently, all these Swifties, Teleswift fans, have been putting these videos on TikTok, like, <laughs> celebrating his career. A year ago, <laughs> could you imagine some tween in New Jersey or whatever exactly. giving a rat's derriere about, about Philadelphia Eagles center Jason, Jason Kelsey. Kelsey? Who, admittedly, is one of the greatest 
centers to ever play the position yeah. or the sport. And, and a great guy all a around. A great guy. Yeah, hilarious. And they have, a, they have an excellent, for listeners, if you're looking for another podcast, the Kelsey brothers have a, an amazing podcast. It's the political shadings of, it is, of football. It is the veritable podcast. political shadings of football podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay, so... Other than our weird predictions about the Super Bowl, what what have we learned? What's happening? So, it's, so, it's, so I, I do want to leave you with, if I can leave with one piece of, of good-ish news. Yes, please. Sure. So with all this chaos over the spending and the shutdowns and impeachment and everything else. Oh, my God. There Ukraine, is, Israel, there, Taiwan, there is some bipartisan work the happening. Yeah. <laughs> there is some bipartisan. And the blowfish. I, I, <laughs> the, yeah, they, they haven't had a hit since the, the 90s. No. My hand was Well, anyway. he decided he was a country singer. Yeah, that's true. Um, last Friday, the House Ways and Means Committee, oh. the tax committee, passed like 40 to 3 a, a bipartisan tax bill that would extend and expand the child tax credit. Okay. It would renew some business tax incentives for R and D things like that. Okay. Uh, also well, has sounds great. Has some provisions for affordable housing, and this was a product of bipartisan, bicameral in the House. In the House, forty. I think it was forty to three. Wait, wait. Okay, so it passed out of committee. Out of committee, not the House yet. So we still have a ways to go. And the Senate. The Senate hasn't taken it up yet, but you know they're they're working on, on forty to three. Yeah, um, and and this is one of those situations where everybody was a bit unhappy, right? For Democrats, wanted the child tax credit expanded. It wasn't expanded as much. Republicans didn't want that. Wanted some more business tax breaks. There weren't enough. Right. But everybody, they all complained and they said, "Well, it's not good enough." But at the end of the day, a, a, a big majority said. This is policymaking. This is this is good for the country. It's good for families. It's good for the economy. Uh, and so we're going to pass it. So wait, when you're a, a wee baby lobbyist, you learn very early that one of the goals of this process of petitioning the government for relief is essentially, if everybody's a little unhappy, it's probably yeah. a decent solution. That's usually a good sign. So how, how did that happen? Well, it happened because you had the chairman of the Senate Tax Committee, Ron Wyden, yep, uh, from you know from Oregon, Great Portland, Oregon, Portlandia, right, you know right. the whole thing. It's I think weird from, there. I think Slater Kenny is on his staff. I think yeah, I'm not sure. yeah. And you had Jason Smith, who is the Republican chairman of the House Committee, who comes from the southeastern, the boot heel part of uh, Missouri. Missouri, very right. Republican, very conservative. And they sat down and their staffs and they worked out a deal. And they all got something. Democrats wanted the, the, the family right, tax cuts. Right. The, the, the Republicans wanted the business ones. And they came to a compromise and they, they came to the agreement that we're going to get something done. I find this hard to believe. So, no, and, and again, to be clear, this doesn't mean that it's all done and that the world's problems are solved. Hang the banner. Mission accomplished. Exactly. And unicorns are now flying through the air, shooting right. rainbows out of their, their butts. Right. But, um, uh, but, it shows that it is possible to, to do to, to do things, and then the White House has said, you know, I think again, you know, there are things they would like to do differently, sure. of course, but I th I'm, I have no doubt that the president would would sign this if it got to him. So we've learned that there's the possibility of actual progress in Congress doing its job. There are people in Congress. This may be a shock. There are people in Congress who actually want to get things done. In I mean, it's parties. it's embarrassing. For the past twelve months, they've done. Nothing. No, even Republicans have been out there complaining about 
we have nothing to show the voters, which, by the way, Democrats love when Republicans say that because they can then put that in their campaign ads. Right. But it is true. They, they, I mean, right. their, their accomplishments have, for the most part, been keeping the government from shutting down, preventing a debt default. Good Lord. All right. So we've learned that they're moderately capable of doing their jobs? That, that some things can happen. It's slow. It's difficult. <laughs> even more difficult. But yes, they actually... And again, this hasn't passed. By next month, by could, any stretch of the imagination, by next month we could be talking about the collapse. The, of the exact tests. opposite. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's, Congress is 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 in the shambles. We've again. Gone backwards. We don't right. know yet. We but, have, but, but, but the heavy lifting of getting a bill that has gotten broad support almost happened. Is is in as good a position to move forward as 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 as, as, as it can be. Well, let's end on the high note. I mean, okay. So we've learned something. We've, we've learned that things are not going great in terms of, 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 of <laughs> but, a, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but there's some real challenges. There's a, there's a light. There's a light. And that's kind of what keeps us doing what we do and why we do what we do, because even when it feels like nothing is getting done, yeah, sometimes some things can move forward. And there's still that important role for us, even if the folks on the Hill are behaving like kindergartners, there are grownups there who are right. working. And at the end of the day, we have to be ready and able to be putting forward good ideas because, and look, I, I've done this for 2,000 years, I think, since the, the, what it feels the like. since Plato. Um, you know, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't believe that things can get done, even if it's difficult, even if it takes a long time, we can get things done. And yeah, it's, we're at a tough time right now. We're at a challenge because there is a lot of strife. There are a lot of folks who are in a position to, to block everything Agreed. and muck things up. But there is always that hope, that belief that we can get some things done. Well, let's leave the listeners with that then. Uh, and uh, dear listeners, we can't thank you enough. Again, we have gone from tens and tens of listeners, and we are now in the level of thousands of Millions listeners. is next, I think. It, I, yeah. Yeah. God willing, yeah. and the creek don't rise. So let's wrap it up. And thank you for listening, and thank you for being with us uh, on this monthly journey of ours. Again, next month, uh, we are going to be talking about uh, sustainability in the building automation industry. In March, we're going to be talking to uh, the CEO of the organization that represents major commercial real estate developers here in the district and nationwide. And we want to take this opportunity to say thank you for last year. It was a great year for the podcast. Uh, hopefully, here's looking forward to uh, another great year in 2024. And with that, I am John Lawyer, your host. And I'm Andrew Goldberg, your co-host. And this has been another shockingly <laughs> adequate episode of Politi I think we've hit the level of perfect mediocrity. That's us right there. And uh, political shading. So thanks again, and we'll talk to you next month. <laughs>